reading from the message as Ian asked. Darius reorganized his kingdom. He appointed 120 governors to administer all the parts of his realm. Over them were three vice-regents, one of whom was Daniel. The governors reported to the vice-regents who made sure that everything was in order for the king. But Daniel, brimming with spirit and intelligence, so completely outclassed the other vice-regents and governors that the king decided to put him in charge of the whole kingdom. The vice-regents and governors got together to find some old scandal or skeleton in Daniel's life that they could use against him, but they couldn't dig up anything. He was totally exemplary and trustworthy. They could find no evidence of negligence or misconduct. So they finally gave up and said, we're never going to find anything against this Daniel unless we can cook up something religious. The vice-regents and governors conspired together and then went to the king and said, King King Darius, live forever. We've convened your, your vice-regents, governors, and all your leading officials and have agreed that the king should issue the following decree. For the next 30 days, no one is to pray to any god or mortal except you, O king. Anyone who disobe disobeys will be thrown into the lion's den. Issue this decree, O king, and make it unconditional, as if written in stone like all the laws of the Medes and Persians. King Darius signed the decree. When Daniel learned that the decree had been signed and posted, he continued to pray just as he, just as he had, always, had always done. His house had windows in the upstairs that opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he knelt there in prayer, thanking and praising his God. The conspirators came and found him praying, asking God for help. They went straight to the king and reminded him of the royal decree that he had signed. Did you not, they said, sign a decree forbidding anyone to pray to any god or man except you for the next 30 days? And anyone caught doing it would be thrown into the lion's den? Absolutely, said the king, written in stone, like all the laws of the Medes and Persians. Then they said, Daniel, one of the Jewish exiles, ignores you, O king, and defies your decree. Three times a day he prays. At this, the king was very upset and tried his best to get Daniel out of the fix he'd put him in. He worked at it the whole day long. But then the conspirators were back. Remember, O king, it's the law of the Medes and Persians that the king's decree can never be changed. The king caved in and ordered Daniel brought and thrown into the lion's den. But he said to Daniel, your God, to whom you are so loyal, is going to get you out of this. A stone slab was placed over the opening of, of the den. The king sealed the cover with his signet ring and the signet rings of all his nobles, fixing Daniel's fate. Then the king went back to, to his palace. He refused supper. He couldn't sleep. He spent the night fasting. At daybreak, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. As he approached the den, he called out anxiously, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve so loyally, saved you from the lions? O king, live forever, said Daniel. My God sent his angel, who closed the mouths of the lions so that they would not hurt me. I've been found innocent before God and also before you, O king. I've done nothing to harm you. When the king heard these words, he was happy. He ordered Daniel taken up out of the den. When he was hauled up, there wasn't a scratch on him. He had trusted his God. Then the king commanded that the conspirators who had informed on Daniel be thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. Before they hit the floor, the lions had them in their jaws, tearing them to pieces. King Darius published this proclamation to every race, color, and creed on earth. Peace to you, 
abundant peace. I decree that Daniel's God shall be worshipped and feared in all parts of my kingdom. He is the living God, world without end. His kingdom never falls. His rule continues eternally. He is a saviour and rescuer. He performs, he performs astonishing miracles in heaven and on earth. He saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Thank you very much, Miriam. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, morning. Um, my name's Ian, uh, in case you don't know, and uh, my wife and I have been part of this church for some years. Um, uh, just a quick word about last time I was here. Um, uh, four weeks ago, I gave this the, the morning talk, and many, many people have told me that it was good. So, thank you. Um, that's really kind and really nice of you all. And I just feel, it's so many people have said this, that, that I feel I'm, I must add that uh, when there, whenever there's anything good about me preaching, it's because of my wife and some other people who pray uh, as I prepare to preach. Um, uh, and last uh, four weeks ago, it was a horrible battle preparing to preach, and I really needed her. Um, uh, and w if there is anything good in the preaching, always remember the teamwork element, everybody. That, that, that is a um, big part of it. Um, so this morning, we are uh, here to look at uh, the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Um, and I'm really intrigued to be explaining this little-known story when so many people will never have seen it before. Um, seriously, it, it's a very, very well-known story, but what can it say to us? Okay. I have two questions for you. Question one... What is everybody around you worshipping? Because obviously, everybody around Daniel was worshipping something that involved Darius. We'll explain a little bit more what that was all about in a minute. Question two, are you in trouble because of something you can't compromise over? Because obviously this story came down in the end, after all the manoeuvrings, this story came down to the fact that Daniel could not compromise over who you pray to. So those are two questions that I'm really asking you. Think about it for your life. And in a few minutes, um, I'll make some time and uh, uh, we'll discuss this. Find somebody sitting near you to discuss the answer to these questions for your life. British people. I know, on a bank holiday as well. Um, seriously, if you want to sit that exercise out, of course you can. Um, uh, and I think most of us will enjoy it. So, some explanations. Um, first of all, um, this Darius is a slightly mysterious person. Um, uh, he's, he's known as Darius the Mede. 
and he is only ever mentioned in this one story in the Bible in the book of Daniel. That's the only mention of Darius the Mede. So you may have the impression that you've seen something about Darius somewhere else in the Bible or in history, um, but that's because other Dariuses are available. There are quite a few important people called Darius. It was one of those reused names. And Darius the Mede is only known from here. Um, so that's like Steve was explaining last week about Belshazzar. Um, there was a time when Belshazzar was only known from one story in the book of Daniel. And then some more information came to light and we now understand a bit better who Belshazzar was. And the, the, the same will happen one day about Darius the Mede. Um, one theory, this is just one theory, Darius the Mede was another name for Cyrus. These people often gave themselves extra names to enhance their importance. So that's one theory, it was another name for Cyrus. Um, and there's a complicated argument about the Hebrew word for and that gets involved in that theory, which uh, we don't want to go into on a bank holiday. Um, so that's as much as we can tell about who Darius was and what was happening here seems to be that he accepted he was new to ruling Babylon and he accepted the idea that for a time he could be some sort of arch priest that everybody would pray to him sort of notionally and then notionally, he would convey their prayers to the gods. And you see, with the new ruler in uh, ancient times, um, that would build the brand. You know, that would get him more recognition, more acceptance as the ruler, if everybody had spent a month praying through him as the, 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 the top priest of the empire. Uh, and that seems to be the political story that was going on here. That, and that's why everybody thought that this was a, uh, a good idea in their context. Um, and that, as we can see, it left Daniel with, um, with problems because he couldn't um, go along with it all. Everybody around him was worshipping this pagan system with this temporary archpriest um, so, what's the equivalent now? What's everybody around you worshipping? Um, I'll give you one example from my own life, from, from my working life before I retired. Uh, I sometimes got the impression that um, some of the people around me were sometimes worshipping work itself. I don't mean the money. I mean the significance of having a job and having colleagues, everything taking second place to work. Um, and they would never have acknowledged that, even to themselves. I think what people worship is often in the dark corners of the soul. And they don't really know it themselves. And they don't acknowledge and look at it for them, uh, openly themselves. Um, so that's, that's one example of what people can worship. Now, what's your experience? Do you, 
you find people do you find people worshipping money? The things money can buy? Is it the pursuit of the next relationship? What is it? In a minute we'll have some time for you to think through and answer that question. So question number two. Uh, are you in trouble because there is something you can't compromise about? Um, uh, I've got a couple of examples here from the writings of Tim Keller, who is a church planter in New York. Uh, there were two people in his church. Both, as it happens, worked in advertising. Now, one of these chaps was asked to advertise expensive sports cars using sex. Right? We, we know that kind of advertising, don't we? You, if you buy this glamorous product, you will get the attentions of these glamorous women. It's always aimed at men, isn't it? Um, and um, as a Christian, this chap felt he could not uh, run that advertising campaign. And it was a great example of what Matt was talking about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he went to the bosses with a plan and he got the whole angle, the whole approach of the advertising campaign changed. And I'd love to tell you what he got it changed into. But like a good Christian, I've given the book away. Uh, from memory, I think it was technology. He, he, he advertised these cars on the basis that they were full of um, sophisticated, clever, desirable technology. Um, uh, so he got, he got things changed. He didn't compromise, he got things changed. Another person in the same church kept having to advertise women's beauty products with the same basic message every time. If you're a bit better looking, you'd be happier. Uh, and I, uh, that is a message that you, we can see pumped out all the time, aimed, I suppose, especially at women. And thank goodness my wife could never fall for that because she couldn't be any better looking. That was a joke that was a bit too successful, really. Um, <laughs> um, and she felt that she could not keep going along. She called this the toxic message, which if you don't know anything about it, it really is toxic. Um, and uh, she felt she could not keep going along with this, and the solution for her in the end was to come out of advertising, do something else. So it was two different responses to this situation where you've got principles and in the end you really can't compromise on those principles and uh, sort it out in two different ways. And there may be somebody here this morning who's right in the teeth of one of those situations. Um, lions are circling. You can't compromise and lions are circling. And if that is you, we will pray with you. We have our little prayer area over on this side, which is my right, right and your left. 
Um, go there and uh, we'll find somebody to pray with you. Um, so, those are my two questions. What are the people around you worshipping? And um, uh, are there things that you can't compromise? And is it causing trouble? So, uh, identify somebody to talk to and discuss this with people. Um, and if you, if you want to sit the exercise out, there will be um, a work of art coming on screen for you to contemplate. Okay, over to you. Right. So, I, I only have one more thing to say, which is about what God does about these situations. What, good, what, good, what does God do when you can't compromise and everybody else is herring off in one direction? Um, I was very interested to learn, reading up about this story, that lions in the Bible are always an example of nature gone wrong. And it was a bit of a shock, actually, um, because we're so used to the idea that nature is simply there, neither right nor wrong. And in fact, that idea is a bit of an ideology, really. Um, but that's not the Bible view. That this violent, dangerous animal is a sort of clue or symptom that something's not right with the world. And by Daniel's time, there was already a prophecy in the book of Isaiah. Um, the, the wolf shall lie down with the lamb, and the little child shall lead them. Now, of course, that's just a picture. Um, but it's a picture that one day, everything will be so right that even the animal world will be at peace. And the animal world will be at peace with humankind. There is a golden future coming. Um, and so if you're not following Jesus at all, you need to be part of this future. You need to start following Jesus. Make inquiries. We're always open. And uh, Dave will talk to you, I'll talk to you, there will be other people around who will talk to you. In these situations where uh, you're wedged into a conscious, conscience corner sort of thing, what God does, what God did for Daniel, was he broke a nugget off the golden future and brought it to Daniel's time of need. So for one night only, the violent, dangerous animal, animals were at peace with the human being. It was, it was the great future that God has planned coming forward to Daniel's crisis. And that's what God will do. Where, where we're in trouble, where you can't compromise, God will put, some, put things right around you in something of the same spirit that one day he will put everything right. I've seen that happen more than once in my life, especially in my working life. And I just know 
that it's the same God, he will do the same for you. Thank you, everybody.